Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers and spiritual entrepreneurs to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and join our crystal movement. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals, where crystal lovers and spiritual entrepreneurs can learn and experience the art of crystal healing. In today's show, we're going to talk about something that's a little bit controversial in the crystal world. We're going to talk about stone shapes. And there's a lot of discussion, right, around this topic and whether or not the shape of your crystal or form of your crystal affects its energy. So does it matter if your crystal is rough or tumbled or carved into a sphere or a pyramid? We're going to talk about this because there's there's a lot of varying viewpoint and opinion, right? So on the one hand, you have some amazing crystal healers out there who think about crystals a little bit more scientifically and they, you know, talk about the C-axis of a crystal. So what the heck is the C-axis? Well, a crystal, when it's growing, it grows from the base toward the point or the termination, and the atoms and molecules within the crystal stack and arrange themselves in kind of orderly perfection along what's known as the C-axis. And this is like the central axis or plane of symmetry in the crystal. And so the energy is thought to move along the C-axis because that's the same direction that all the uh, molecules and atoms are flowing. So typically we think of energy in a crystal moving from the base toward the point or the termination. So what happens if you have a crystal with this C axis, right? Beautiful crystal, the energy is moving from the base to the point, and then you tumble it right into lots of smaller crystals. Well, now the C axis could be going any which way, right? Or what if you carve another point out of it? Like say you carve a generator out of it and instead of the C axis being lined up the same way where it's moving from the base of the generator to the point of the generator, say you had a really big crystal and you sliced it horizontally and made all these smaller generators, but now the C axis is going from side to side in the crystal rather than up and down. How does that affect the energy? Well, here's the thing. As much as I totally agree with this concept, right? Like I absolutely, absolutely agree that the energy in a crystal is always going to move along that C axis. I think that our intention also has a lot to do with the way that crystal energy is directed. So if you have like a generator, for example, which is a special form of point that has equal sides and equal sized faces, it's very symmetrical, it's great for sending and receiving energy. Say you have a generator, which is very rare to find completely natural. Um, Usually they are cut and polished into that shape. If the C axis is no longer going along the same axis of symmetry in that cut and polish generator, I think because of our intention and the way that we use that shape, the energy is going to be directed along the plane of our intention. And this is something that 
I really learned in my Melody Love is in the Earth training. Um, for example, when Melody teaches how to do crystal layouts, she teaches that in, you know, if you're using a certain type of crystal, say you're using a double terminated crystal, well, naturally the energy is going to go back and forth. It's going to send and receive in both directions, but you can consciously intend for that energy to move in just one direction. And this requires a bit of effort on your part as a healer, as a light worker, to direct that energy and stay kind of consciously in tune with what's going on when you're working with your crystals. But it's not only possible, it is um, very strong the way that this happens. It's, it's very intentional. It's very... Um, controllable seems like a weird word to use, but you have influence, I suppose, is is what I think. Uh, and that's based on my experience as well as things I've been taught um, and the experience of just talking with a lot of other people and learning like what, what works for them, what doesn't. Have you ever wondered why some people are more drawn to rough crystals and other people are drawn to tumbled crystals? Well, here's kind of my two cents about this. I feel like rough stones, which are ones like little clusters and massive stones, raw stones, things that come out of the earth just as they are, I think that they emit a really powerful energy. And for people who are really sensitive to energy, especially high vibrational frequencies, using a rough or raw crystal may be too intense. And a tumbled stone, which is a little bit smoother, um, I feel like the energy radiates really softly and gently from the center of that stone outward in all directions. So a rough stone might be too overwhelming for someone who's really sensitive to energy, but on the other hand, it might be just the right tool for someone who really needs an energetic breakthrough, who really needs that extra little push to create a shift or change in their energy field. So I think that these shapes do take the inherent properties or meanings or qualities of these different crystals and their energy, and they focus or channel it in a different way, depending on the shape. So we talked about rough stones versus tumbled stones. That's probably, you know, one of the biggest, most controversial arguments out there in the crystal world. Um, But I think like a good crystal healer will have you know, a rose quartz in a rough stone and a tumbled stone, because you never know quite what you're going to need. Um, That being said, if you're not working with clients, if you're just working on yourself, then I think it's totally fine. Just stick with what you're attracted to the most. But there might even come a time in your life where Maybe you've always been a rough stone person and you always prefer rough stones, but every so often you come across a tumbled stone that you can't live without. You're really attracted to it, really drawn to it for some reason. There's a reason for that. So don't ignore that. Don't overlook that. Um, it's, It's important to listen to those kind of subtle cues. So, okay, we talked about rough stones and tumbled stones. What about some of the other shapes that are out there, like terminated points? Well, we talked a little bit about how the energy moves along the C-axis in a terminated point. And if you have a point that is cut and polished into that shape rather than being a natural point, there's still the ability to direct that energy based on your intention for how the energy should be moving in that point. this is a, it's a really big thing, right? And so if you're using these crystals consciously and you're using them with intention, 
then you really can direct the energy in a way that is more comfortable to you and that makes more sense for your purpose or intention for that crystal. Now, what about something like a cluster, a natural cluster that has lots of points? Well, I feel like the energy of clusters kind of radiate in all directions because you have all these individual little crystal points working together. So these are great for filling a room with energy. So placing a cluster in the center of a room is excellent for sending the vibrations of that crystal out into the space because all those little points are all going in different directions and sending that energy out. Clusters are also very representative of group cooperation and harmony because if you think about it all those little crystal points are like individual little beans but they all have to work harmoniously together because they're part of one common crystal one common matrix Um, and so that's kind of a metaphor for families for co-workers for any group of people that have to work together harmoniously to create positive change Now, there's also other natural shapes like geodes. Um, I love geodes for a few different things. So they're one of my favorite stones for manifesting. Um, And in fact, there's kind of an older blog post on the website, loveandlightschool.com, all about using geodes for manifesting. And I talk about how you can write down your intentions and place them inside the geode because all those little crystal points are working toward manifesting that common purpose or intention. Um, but also geodes have this cave-like appearance. It's almost a womb-like appearance. So they're very good for energetic support, um, to enhance fertility. Uh, and this can be physical fertility in the body. This could be fertility of ideas. And this is why they work so well for manifesting because it's about birthing something, um, into the world that, that you intend to create. And so that's really kind of what manifesting is all about. It's about calling to us exactly what we want and need. It's about kind of co-creation with the universe. So then there are some other shapes that are are not totally natural shapes, right? They're ones that are created by man. So we have spheres or crystal balls. And I love spheres because their energy is whole and complete and endless. Um, They're great for massage tools. They can really take the strain off of your hands and wrists if you do massage. Um, And of course, you want to choose the right kind of material for this, especially if you're going to be working with oils or anything like that. You want it to be a crystal that you can wash really thoroughly uh, so that there's no bacteria problems or anything like that. Um, Something that can really be sterilized well. So anything in the quartz family works great for this. Um, But then of course also spheres traditionally used for crystallomancy or scrying divination. So they're really wonderful for enhancing your intuition and psychic abilities by using them for crystal ball gazing. And there's also actually a blog about this, um, an older blog post all about how to perform a crystal ball reading step by step. So kind of interesting if you've never tried it, even if you're out there and you're rolling your eyes right now because you're a little bit skeptical about that. You know, I don't consider myself to be a very psychic person. I think I'm a, a slightly intuitive person, but I don't think I I'm very strong in the psychic abilities department, let's say that. Something you really have to work at to develop my intuition. Um, 
But for me, I wanted to go out and just try a bunch of different divination methods and see, you know, which things really connected with me. And I did not have high hopes for crystal ball gazing because I have kind of a short attention span sometimes. I get a little distracted and I just thought, you know, oh, I'm going to start, you know, thinking about 10 million other things and I'm not really going to be able to focus. Well, you know what? I was really surprised because that's not at all how... It goes for me when I when I try and do crystal ball gazing, and it's not something that I do often, but it's something that I do from time to time, and it's just a really interesting practice. Um, I think for me that the hardest part about it is not judging what comes through, not questioning, not being too skeptical, just really being pretty open to any messages or symbols or images that you see within the crystal ball writing down or journaling a little bit about what you discover and then kind of seeing how it comes to fruition, seeing how those things kind of play out. Um, Because sometimes I think I have a good idea of what a symbol might mean for me. And then later I discover that it wasn't really quite what I thought. And that's that's what I mean where I'm missing that kind of psychic element. Um, Very strongly connected with my intuition, but in terms of sometimes the interpretation, that's something I'm still working on. But, you know, just give that a try, even if you're a little bit skeptical about it. It's a pretty cool practice. So check out that old blog post about how to perform a crystal ball reading step by step. It's a pretty cool post. Um, So if you've never done it before, give it a try. Now, there are other shapes that are man-created, like pyramids, right? And probably most of you out there, if you have a large crystal collection, you probably have at least one pyramid. Because it seems like no matter what, there's always going to be one or two that you're really attracted to. So I'm not like a huge pyramid person. I know some people are really into pyramid power, pyramid energy. Um, I do have a small copper pyramid, uh, like a desktop size that I love because I love using it with crystal grids and I really enjoy that. But in terms of like carved crystal pyramids, I do have a few, but only because I really adored the crystal that they were made out of. So I have one that's petrified wood, and I have one that's moss agate, one that's chrysocolla, one that is coquina jasper, uh, which is also called elephant skin jasper, or sometimes it's called Arabic writing stone. And I was just really drawn to those pyramids in particular um, because of the, the stone was so beautiful and it just really resonated with me. So a pyramid technically has to have a flat base with four sides of equal length that join to form a point at the top. And obviously for thousands of years, these pyramids have been thought to amplify energy and intention. That's why they're used in ancient Egypt is because of this amplification of energy, but also they have a connection with preservation, right? If you think about pharaohs and how they were entombed in pyramids, um, it's about preservation. It's about connection to the afterlife. Um, And because of this, these are deeply spiritual shapes. So they can be great tools for meditation. They're also used for balancing the chakra centers. So you may see even little chakra sets that are made up of tiny pyramids um, of different stones for each of the chakra colors. Those are really getting more and more popular. And some of them I've even seen now engraved with chakra symbols or with Reiki symbols. So it's like this coming together of crystals, pyramid power, 
Um, and then different symbols and color energy. It's really kind of a beautiful thing to see that all working together. But the other thing that pyramids are really useful for is energy transmission. So if you're doing any kind of distance healing work, this is where pyramids can really come in handy. In particular, shapes that are more like a natural pyramid, like apophyllite crystals, often make natural pyramids. And these are a natural complement to distance healing work. Now, in addition, pyramids are known for their connection with prosperity energy because they amplify energy so much that they're great for manifesting, um, just like the geodes are. So they have this really strong connection with manifesting, in particular with manifesting prosperity and abundance and wealth. So they're also great for transmuting energy. So if you have some energy in your home or in your office at work where it just feels a little bit stuck or stagnant, try placing a pyramid shape in that area because it really helps transmute that stagnant energy and gets it flowing so that it can be more positive. So if you're doing healing professionally, or even if you're just doing it for yourself, your friends, your family, I really suggest trying out a few of these different shapes and seeing what resonates with you. Um, really giving it a try, especially if you've been, you know, kind of a purist, you've only ever worked with natural stones, or, you know, if you've been told that, you know, all amethysts kind of will work the same because of that C-axis property. But really these different shapes have the ability to just influence the way in which the energy is given off by the stone. So it doesn't necessarily influence the properties per se, but what it does is combine those properties with the inherent qualities of each of these shapes and how they can be used. So it's a pretty interesting thing to try out and explore. And if you really want to challenge yourself, Try taking, you know, a rough amethyst crystal, an amethyst sphere, a tumbled amethyst stone, an amethyst pyramid. Work with all of them in turn and see what subtle differences you can find just based on those shapes. For me, that was the biggest thing that confirmed that there really was a difference in the way that the energy was emitted from these crystals and how that energy um, was really influenced by the shape. So I encourage you, get out there, explore that, check it out, see how that feels to you. So I hope that you got a lot of value out of today's show. If you want more information about anything we discussed in this episode, of course, you can learn more over on the blog at loveandlightschool.com slash blog. And if you did enjoy the show today, the biggest compliment you can give me is to please, please leave me a quick rating and review over at loveandlightschool.com slash iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast through that link so that you never miss a future episode of the show. So that brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you in our next episode. Until then, crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Visit us online at loveandlightschool.com.